The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to Are You Afraid 1984, the unofficial American Horror Story 1984 podcast, a com original series, Poppy Julo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Thursday, October 17th, 2019, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of the FX series, American Horror Story 1984. Please welcome my co-host, Vinny Hatcher. Hello, everyone. Looking forward to discuss what happened when the Red Dawn finally got there. I know, right? Let's jump into our recap of Season 9, Episode 5, which was titled Red Dawn, and aired October 16th, 2019. Here is the official synopsis of the episode. As twilight broaches, the survivors brace for a final brawl. So I want to get your initial reaction to the episode, Vinny. What did you think of Red Dawn? You know, I'm still probably forming my opinion, and I'll have it by the end of this episode. Overall, my initial reaction was it was decent. And if I say any more, I'll, I'll spoil my thought process for other points. But yeah, I mean, it wasn't a bad one. There were some areas where I was like, really? But we'll get into that as we dish about it. But yeah, definitely not bad, but I wasn't blown away. Okay. I wasn't blown away either, but I did like it. Uh, it, it felt like the... Um... It felt like a good conclusion to this story that was set up way back in the first episode. For a lot of people, a lot of people, the comments that I read online, they were like, this could be the season finale. And I don't know if I would be fully satisfied if this were the season finale. No. But it it was a good sort of um, like closing of the first chapter of the season. And um, certainly a lot of our Who's Gonna Survive didn't happen Mm-mm. but it was hella fascinating nonetheless there were a couple of twists that i did not expect like at all and one character got a little bit of redemption in my eyes okay. so uh, we'll get into all of that and so much more in a moment so before we get into a thorough recap of the latest episode of american horror story 1984 here's our answer with a few special announcements follow poppy chula radio on social media we are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Are You Afraid? 1984 and subscribe. 
Thanks, announcer. So let's talk about it, and we're going to start off with the cold open because we got a whole lot more about uh, Dee Dee, aka not Rita, aka Donna Chambers, than we expected, maybe. Or maybe we expected a little mm-hmm. bit because we did see something a little different in the trailer for the, or the, the promo for yeah. this episode. So we flash back to 1980. Uh, was Disco dead in 1980? Or Disco was dying in 1980? It, was it, wasn't, dying. it wasn't dead. I don't think people proclaimed Disco being dead yet. Um, so we saw Donna in the car. Was she following a, a lover or someone? There's a man with a woman. Is it a little, is it a little cheatation situation? Uh, she gets out the car. She goes inside. And then we find out that it's her father that she has followed. And we learned through the course of this flashback that uh, her mom had basically told her that he was acting a little strange. She would be disappearing and this, that, or the other. And so she followed him. And so she's like... You're with a floozy. Come on out. Talk to me like a man. Uh, let's let's you know, uh, cop to it. And so she enters, and she wasn't expecting this. I don't know if we were expecting this, but it's a whole snuff film type of situation. Minus the film, maybe like we could call it a snuff Polaroid situation, because there's a woman tied up to the bed. She looks dead. Entrails all over the place, blood all over the place, Polaroids all up on the wall showing the murdering and that type of situation. The woman starts to writhe in pain. Uh, She tries to help her, but she really can't do anything. And then, bam, Papa's here. And he's like, You weren't supposed to see this. You know, I've had this, this feeling forever and i've been doing this forever because it's this urge that needs to come out and she's like i can help you with psychology and that kind of stuff and he's like no you know i was i was um he he quote you know he was like to quote a song that hasn't even come out yet i was born this way and then bam he instead of um well um she was kind of scared that she was going to get stabbed but he ends up stabbing himself and, uh, yeah, I mean, that was pretty much the cold open. So what did you think of our trip to 1980? Will you ever listen to Knock on Wood the same uh, now after this scene? And uh, what did you think of a little bit of information that we got about Donna's past, uh, Dee Dee's past? I've actually come up with what I'm going to call her from now on. Narita Donna. <laughs> Oh, okay, there you go. <laughs> that way I just cover all the bases. Uh, you know, it was fascinating because last week I talked about how I really wanted to see what her background was, what turned her into the stone cold apathetic, which, by the way, excellent pun on the cold open, by the way. It was really interesting to get this little backstory. I honestly... I thought we were going to get ripped off when I saw the, the promo last week. I kind of thought, okay, this is probably about as long as it's going to be when we actually get to the episode. But no, it was the opening. It was a window into her past. It really helped us understand like where she got from point A to point bitch. And I, you know, the, I think the, the, the first question I will answer is that the very next day, today, 
I was on my way to work. I got to work, and I was thinking about the show. So I just put on my oldies playlist, and I was dancing and knocking wood at my desk. So, there you go. <laughs> uh, I thought it was a, a very interesting choice of music, kind of anti everything that was going on, and you have this disco song like blaring. Uh, I was rather amused, and I know it's a horrible thing to say. I'm going to hell for this. But when she tried to help the lady – her idea of helping was like pulling the blanket up and rolling it over her exposed intestines. And then she started convulsing and the intestines were like flying around. And I was like, is this becoming like a serial killer bop it game? Uh, it well, the thing weird. is, I would assume like a lot of people, you know, you think of you got to apply pressure to the wound. I feel like at that point, there's no amount of pressure. That was going to, like, fix anything. But, you know, it was, like, in the situation. So I got what she was doing. Although, well, if you... Did. It, was, it was just... It, it was kind of, like, ridiculous. Expected, yeah, the Benny Hill theme song to start in the background. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I thought it was an excellent exposition giving us view into what made Donna become the way that she was. And I bought it. Like, I actually bought, you know, we've dealt with someone who's faked it, showed how she's sociopathic, but now we're seeing her past where she's actually displaying complex emotions, and she did it really, really well. I bought the backstory. I thought it was very graphic, and it needed to be. We needed to have some kind of intense darkness and violence, because what else is going to cause someone to shut off their emotions and their common compassion? Because the Dee that we saw, she was ready to try and help this woman, but also save her father, you know, and the desperation when he stabbed himself. I totally bought all of that, causing her to just lose herself in her studies, lose sight of the fact that what she was doing was probably stupid because she was as clinical as she was trying to be. She was also blinded by love. And that's how I totally buy all the preparations. Every step of the way, she has been justifying what she's done, these horrible atrocities. I'm not killing anyone. I'm just doing it for science. Well, if I walk outside and I throw alcohol on someone and then light them on fire just because I have a hypothesis that they're going to die, I'm still committing murder. And if I have someone else do it, but I had the idea and I am watching and not helping them, I'm an accessory. So. It was really awesome to see that background because now as we move into the present, we start seeing the ramifications of her realizing what she's done. Oh, totally. I got to give props to Angelica Ross. Like, she has been outstanding as Donna Rita. She, I, I mean, I just, I loved everything about the cold open. Like, it was just yeah. fantastic. It was a, like, the perfect glimpse of her past to really explain who she's become. And it made perfect sense, even though I would have never predicted this at all. Mm -hmm. So uh, kudos to the writers and kudos to Angelica for completely selling it because it was fantastic. I I loved it. It it was just, it was perfect. It was the perfect. And can we also talk... She can totally rock the Farrah Fawcett hair. Just oh, yeah. Well, there was that, too. Uh, fantastic. So, uh, continuing on with Donna, because uh, we we got a lot more Donna in uh, the present. So, we flash back to Donna chatting with Richard Ramirez, and she gets a little uh, demonic 411, basically saying that he's given his life to Satan, and Satan brought me back. And um, and he's like, and I know you, and there's darkness in you, and you need to live up to your potential, and all this kind of stuff. She's like, uh-uh, there's no darkness inside of me. And then we see the ghost of her father, and uh, 
he basically tells her, like, there is darkness in you. You know, you take after me, and I'm dark as fuck, you know, with the damn murdering and, you <laughs> stabbing know. Stabbing myself. And stabbing myself and gutting people and all this kind of stuff. It is in your blood, and you need to live up to it. And she's like, hell no, and runs away. And so um, she goes to um, to Montana and Xavier to basically try to survive and she ends up confessing to them like this is all my fault you know i brought jingles which causes xavier to freak out like you're the one that turned me like this i will never be on the cover of tv guide and so he picks up a hatchet and chases uh chases donna she ends up uh, evading him but runs into uh, mr jingles and she's basically like, this is all my fault. Like, you know, do what you need to do to me. Kill me. Uh, you know, make me pay for, you know, this horrible night, basically. And he tells her, like, I just learned, you know, I am not a killer. Like, it was all Margaret. She's the one that did everything. And she framed me. And I had never killed before tonight. And he's like, sorry. You're going to have to live with the guilt of everything that you did because I just have one last kill. So this is where we end things with Donna. We don't see her again. Uh, There's a whole bunch more stuff that happens throughout the night into the morning. But this is all we get of Donna. So I know in talking about Donna, we might have to tangentially talk about what happens. Well, we can do that a little bit as far as what happens with everyone else. But uh, clearly there are only a couple survivors, a lot of deaths, and we don't know anything about Donna. So talk to me about uh, the couple of scenes that we got with Donna. Donna with Richard, uh, Donna with Xavier, and Donna with uh, Jingles. Donna with Richard was pretty much exactly how I expected it to play out, with the exception of I honestly thought he was going to kill her. I thought after the way last week ended with them, you know, she just witnessed his rebirth by Satan, and he's got the black eyes, and she was obviously scared poopless. You know, I I honestly thought the, the episode this week would begin with them having a little bit of dialogue and then him, like, decapitating her and her paying the price for her sins. Uh, but I found it interesting that he was like, you know what? Yeah, you you, you got some stuff. I know I'm just going to casually mosey off on into the night, leave it to your own devices and let you run away. Uh, but I, I, the exchange between them was awesome when her father's ghost appeared, you know, and the fact that because I, I think they actually touched. So I think the ghost was tangential. He was actually physically tangible. And, you know, so that just added to her freak out of, oh, my uh, actually happening. And so when we move into the Xavier and Montana scene with her, when she just suddenly has like diarrhea of the mouth, even though you're in a life-threatening situation and you caused all of this, you're going to tell people who have been impacted by this. Not the smartest decision, but what we're seeing here is someone who has now had her thin veneer that I talked about of cold-hearted science clinical All of it's gone, and she is deteriorating. So what's the first thing she's going to try and do? She's going to try and save her ass. She's going to try and apologize, confess, you know, following the whole thing. If I confess my sins, maybe I'll be forgiven. Maybe these are good people. Okay, first of all, wrong people (laughs) to confess to because Xavier 
I mean, lifetime aspiration of wanting to be on TV Guide, Forever Ruined. You've destroyed this guy's vision of what his life should be indirectly. So, of course, he's going to chase after her with a hatchet. I totally loved that exchange. Xavier we'll talk about later, but this scene right here was, I feel, like a very pivotal moment for his character changing from, oh my god, I'm horrible, I'm burned, and I feel miserable, and I hate my life, to having that backbone come out a little bit, and maybe a little bit of the bad boy, when he chases her and tells Montana, like, get out of his way. And then finally, the the scene with Jingles was phenomenal, because at that point, I was like, oh shit, this is her third chance, there's no way in hell this girl gonna walk away alive. But he did exactly what I hoped he would do. You know, he added on to the the gravity of everything that she's done, and now he has completely removed the validity of all of her experimentation, all of the digging, the traps, the setup, the Rita, the just everything of it all that she's done. She's now not only found out that she screwed it up, but she chose someone who was not actually a murderer. So she Naridana has now lost everything. She has nothing left to gain from all of this except walking away alive and the desperation in her character, just watching her go to complete destruction. I wanted to see more of her. That's the only complaint I have about Naridana in this episode is that we didn't get to see what happened to her afterwards, but also I have the confidence that we're going to find out more about her next week. Yeah, definitely. They left the door wide open, and I am hella fascinated to see what her life is going to be like post this night. Um, Yeah, I'm hella fascinated by this, because, um, yeah, they they just, they left this really wide open. I I thought the acting overall was fantastic like i love the moment with jingles that was so intense and i thought she was gonna die too but then he didn't and i was really proud of him uh, because it just it made the most sense to be quite honest like once you realize you're not a killer like why would you continue killing and i mean you definitely want to get your revenge on the person that uh, forced you into that life and uh and and clearly that's where his mind was And, and i thought that was beautifully conveyed Uh, i thought her scene with ghost papa was really good as well um just everything about donna was incredibly fascinating in this episode and i wish that we had gotten more because it was just really really interesting it was like the vital information that we didn't know we needed but now that we got it it's like i need more Yeah. And what's really awesome about this is this is a character that if you think back to the beginning, you know, we all kind of thought she was a side by. She was just going to be a supporting character. And now for me, she's become my favorite character of the show this season. Yeah, I agree. She's definitely a standout. She was just completely fascinating. So let's see, where should we go next? Okay, let's talk about this because it was a it was a quick death, and I think we all expected it, especially once the situation ended up happening. So Margaret basically is like, okay, like you all want to leave. There's no way to leave. Uh, what are we going to do? Um, it's funny because we talked about Chet at the end of the previous episode, and yep. we had no idea where Chet was, but Chet was with them when they were looking at the uh, the car on fire, which I don't know if I remember him in the, in the scene at the very tail end of the previous episode. I don't either. But he was there. 
I, I thought he was still knocked out. Like I thought we would have gotten um, a scene of him like waking up. So it was a little odd that he was there, especially because well, no, they gave him the adrenaline that woke him up. Oh, and the yes. last we saw yeah, him, that is true. He was in the bed with a needle hanging out of his tit. <laughs> that is true. Yes. So, okay. So, uh, Margaret is like, you know, I had heard of some campers or I saw some campers across the lake. You know, maybe they have a car and this, that, or the other, and we can use that and we can escape. But I need, you know, I need one of you to come with me. And so, uh, well, Montana forces Chet upon her uh, because (laughs) Montana has her own plan. And so Chet ends up going with Margaret and they're on a little uh, rowboat and they're talking and uh, Margaret starts poking the bear, basically saying, you know, like, you know, we could all die. Like, you need to accept Christ in your life and all this kind of stuff. And um, and Chet is kind of like, um, OK, how about we continue rowing? And, uh, and then she's like, I know you have a secret, like you need to repent and you need to this, that, out of the other. And he's like, I don't have any secrets. And then I started to think in my mind, are they going where I think they're going? But they didn't go there. Um, they, they get in, they get into a little back and forth and, um, uh, in another scene, uh, I think it might have been Montana that was questioning, like, why had she never mentioned, why did she never mention that there might be campers, you know, this, that, or the other. And so clearly this is a ruse. And uh, this was just a means for Margaret to get her kill fix because she ends up killing Chet. There is a little bit of a scuffle. But he ends up getting tossed over with, I believe that was the anchor, maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's down sleeping with the fishies. As far as we know. Yeah. Well, I would assume he's 100% Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. He'll be back as a ghost, more than likely. But what did you think of this? Did you think that they were going where I thought they were going with, like, the secret? I thought he was going to come out as gay. That's what I thought as well. Yeah, I, because, you know, with Chet, when you typically, and and this is going to jump into cliches, but when you have a guy who is really into the gym, did steroids, is all about looking buff and perfect, and he has a secret, you're usually safe to assume that it's something associated with sexuality based on cliched stereotypes. I was very happy that they didn't go that route because it's been done before, and I was... To be honest with you, Jeff, this entire scene, like, I knew what was probably going to happen. I was very sad because I actually kind of – I've started to like Chet more, but I knew he was probably about to bite it. What I did not expect was her to beat him in the head with the oar. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, Margaret continually surprises me because, you know, I honestly kind of thought she was going to be a one-note killer that everybody she kills from now on is going to be with that knife after Trevor, you know, and maybe the gun with was a one-off with Jingles, but I just got that feeling. I like that she changed it up. Her stick is obviously the heavy on the Christianity. I am a Christian warrior. I am doing God's work. So it's a parallel to Donna. One was blinded by, or blinded by science, or blinded in Margaret's case, uh, by religion. And the fact that she's continually seeing herself as, oh my God, I've tried, God, my witness, I, that whole little scene that she had before she killed him, you know, I tried, I gave you a chance, playing like a very screwed up mother. 
You know, so I get this vibe that Margaret feels like she's the mother hen and that if she gives them enough encouragement, they'll confess their sins. But here's the thing. I think the bitch would kill him anyway. <laughs> you know, like, well, yeah. you know, oh, you've confessed, but you're still going to die. I honestly, I really, really had my heartstrings pulled on this scene because even though Chet hasn't really had a lot of, you know, chances to really give us a lot about the character, we didn't get a flashback. We didn't get much beyond what he's told us in the current time. Just his death was brutal. I mean, the guy was, if you remember, let's see, he was impaled through the chest, knocked out, then drug out of the pit, then had to walk with help to wherever he ended up in the bed. Then he had an adrenaline needle shoved into his heart, woke up with the needle still in because no one saw fit to take it out, then had to walk out to the burning car, then volunteered to get into a boat while he's still bleeding and bandaged with this crazy woman who out of nowhere is like, do you think about death? He, he, he had to know. Like he played dumb, but I feel like he might have, you know, had an idea something was off, and just the way that his death was executed, like the brutality that Margaret showed, it was—it's a horrible word to use because it makes it sound like I thought it was awesome. It was breathtaking. Like I really, my breath was taken in a shocked way because it was just so brutal. And his plea for no, please don't, and then she hit him in the head with the oar again, and he was underwater. Very well done. Very shocking. Very brutal. Very much like revealing more brutality in Margaret's side that I'm, I'm actually curious. I can't wait for her to get her comeuppance. That was interesting because you had a much more emotional reaction to Chet's death. My heartstrings were sort of pulled for another death uh, uh, that we'll get into in a moment. Yeah. <laughs> but because I just wasn't expecting that at all. And that one was incredibly brutal and gnarly mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But speaking of Chet, like I knew he was going to die too. And as all these people were starting to die, I was like, damn, like we were predicting we were horrible. <laughs> like, I'm glad this was not a drinking game. I know. Right. I was like, damn it's like everybody like i was like who is going to survive right it was like agatha christie on speed it really was i was like who the hell is gonna survive and then we did get something right but it was an even it was right but not right at the same time (laughs) i can't wait to talk about that which was amazing (laughs) so yeah but um I agree. It was it was gnarly. Like everything, Chet. Uh, I mean, I did feel bad for the guy. Like clearly, uh, although I will say Leslie Grossman was everything as Margaret. Like in that scene. Mm-hmm. Like I've said this before about her. Like she clearly knows what show she's on. Like she's on the '80s sort of pastiche season of uh, American Horror Story. She knows that she's in an '80s slasher movie. And it comes through in her performance and her delivery, and I just I love it. Like the close-ups to her, and like the just the 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 glee look on her face of when she's she was got murdered. the crazy eye down. She like, does. Oh my yeah. god! And you know, I know and I don't know if about... I would have expected that in like the cult season. When no, yeah, oh, she's yeah. she premiered in cult. I don't know if I would have expected that from her, like in no. cult. Well, and you know what's funny is I know that we – I almost wish Maddie could be here tonight for this, and we'll, we'll have to ask her what she thinks next week. I think this was the most Margaret that we've gotten so far this season, or if it wasn't, it felt like it. And I – coming out of this episode, I am now in it for this character. I buy her playing the character. Now that I'm seeing the true personality come out in Margaret, I definitely am 100% sold on the character and her playing it. Yeah, she's batshit crazy in a good way. I like it. So, all right. So we're going to talk about the one that pulled my heartstrings. So uh, we have 
a confrontation between Margaret and Jingles. So they they meet up in the woods and it really looks like Jingles is about to enact his revenge. Like he's got her, she's trying to get her knife and she can't and it looks like we're going to get this moment, this big ass moment where Jingles gets his revenge. But sadly, out of the woods pops fucking Robin Hood. <laughs> Xavier arrives with a bow and an arrow, and he arrows Jingles like a bajillion times. And it was it was just so much. And he saves uh, he saves Margaret. He gets a little line in about his revenge. He does a little jig, and then he gets gutted like a fucking fish by Margaret as thank you for saving <laughs> her from jingles. And I was like, who the hell is gonna survive the night? Like right? I I was I was thinking at least Xavier was gonna be safe. Well, like, and that was a good red herring because he already went through the ringer once, so we exactly. made the assumption that he was going to be safe. Exactly. Like, I legitimately thought, like, I kind of maybe felt like Chet could die. Like, that wasn't that much of a surprise. Uh, I know that we sort of, uh, we were talking about him potentially surviving, but I wasn't that surprised that he didn't make it. I was really surprised that Xavier didn't make it like 100% like this shocked me and the mm -hmm. way that he died uh, shocked me as well like maybe because I really liked the character and, and just felt for him even though um, you know he, he did uh, he did uh, start uh, displaying a bit of a murderous rage but I just I felt so much uh, about this death like I just I I was really disappointed but I am hella intrigued by what's going to happen with this. But this one shocked me. What about you? Yeah, it definitely did. You know, I made the mistake of thinking he was safe, like I just mentioned. You know, I, he went through such a horrific ordeal that it just seemed logical that he was going to survive and have to live with these wounds and basically become a monster because it was clear that obviously we were reaching some kind of end to the night, you know, with twilight coming and all that, we knew that was coming in the episode. So I really thought he was going to survive. And, you know, unfortunately the moment he showed up to save Margaret, I literally was like, well, fuck, there he goes. You know, because the moment he was in her company, I just had a feeling she was on a roll. She was running out of time and he was going to bite, bite it. And, Chet pulled my heartstrings. Xavier ripped my heart out. <laughs> you know, like I literally, like I didn't realize how much I liked the character until I saw him a burning in a stove and then b getting gutted like a fish. Like it was horrific. Yeah. And you know, here's someone who obviously like has this whole battle going on of like I'm a pretty bad boy. I did porn, but I want to be an actor, so I'm doing what I have to. But I'm still trying to be a good guy by trying to save everybody. I might have a little bit of murderous rage, but overall, I, I thought he was kind of a good guy, just in a bad situation and a bad lot at life. And then, you know, here he goes in the blaze of glory, thinking he's going to survive, does his little dance, and then boom, gone. It was it was devastating, to be honest. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Oh, good God. Good grief. So, 
we'll talk about jingles in a moment because that sort of has to deal with the very tail end of the episode. So uh, we'll put jingles on pause. And let's pick up with Brooke and Montana. So they're together. They are, well, they're not really alone because Xavier is, uh, is there, but he's, uh, he's, uh, what was, he was like a, he was knocked out because he was hit over the head, right? Yeah, Yeah. because he did the whole thing with the torch at the car, like, we're going to burn the camp down, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and And Margaret um, knocked him out. Margaret wasn't having that. So uh, Xavier's knocked out, and it looks like Montana is going to get her moment for revenge. But the moment is cut short because Brooke sees Ray. Clearly, we know what's going on. Brooke doesn't know what's going on, so she goes after Ray, and he is disheveled. He has no idea where he is or where he was, and Brooke is like, "Like, uh, uh, did you get to the call box because you were on the motorcycle? And he's like, I, I remember I was on the motorcycle, but then I don't remember, and then I'm here, and so maybe I, I fell off the bike, or I don't know. And so they end up having a chat together. And um, they talk about sort of life and how their lives have been and what they expected and who they are as people, who they were before. And um, we got a better understanding of Brooke in this conversation because she talked about like being... Uh, like, uh, you know, the top one in her class, and she was friends with this boy, but then this boy sort of became jealous of her intelligence and how well she was doing, and so he convinced everyone to stop speaking to her, and so then she dumbed herself down, and, uh, you know, so that the boy could be the top kid in class, and then, you know, they ended up dating, and then when he asked her to marry him, she said yes, even though she didn't really love him. And so we learned that that's what led up to the situation in which, you know, she had her own red wedding. And uh, and we got a little bit about uh, well, stuff that we sort of knew from Ray, that he wanted to be a doctor and um, he kept things vague, but we know what happened, and, you know, it was just sort of like a downward spiral for him as well. And so uh, the two of them, they, they talk about how um, how they aren't really being themselves, and how they sort of live, they have to live life in the moment, especially because they don't know what's going to happen next. And so they kiss, and then the kiss leads a little bit more, and uh, Brooke gets her cherry popped by a ghost. And uh, when she goes to get something to drink after, you know, their little moment together, she finds Ray's head in the refrigerator, which freaks her out, freaks him out, and, you know, forces her to flee, basically. So before we get into the Montana of it all, let's talk about this because we got Brooke to open up a little bit more. We also had ghost sex, which usually typically does not uh, bode well for the female on American Horror Story. And uh, uh, what did you think of 
Ray as well and how they used Ray. Because I know that we talked about Ray and uh, we both didn't really enjoy what they did with Ray as far as the character in his final um, human episode. But I will say I liked what they did with Ray in this episode and I feel like they kind of Re- not redeemed i wouldn't that probably isn't the right term but they fleshed him out they fleshed him out and they softened him a little bit and uh, i like this iteration of ray you know i mean this was a really good episode of murder how i mean um 1984 uh <laughs> and that is my one complaint i'm i'm reserving final judgment but you hit the nail on the head when you made the comparison that ghost sex doesn't bode well for females and although this- I will say, I think a way that they could kind of um, not do a repeat of Murder House is clearly Tate was evil. So maybe like an evil ghost having sex with a human would lead to the Antichrist. Maybe not a quote unquote (laughs) good ghost having sex with a human. Well, and the question is, does it give a human birth or a ghost birth? And then what was really – and I'm going to give a little side note because I have a friend at work that used to work in the medical field. We were talking about the episode, and she was like, wait, 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 wait. So when he got his blood pressure, he did not have a blood pressure, which means he does not have blood circulating through his body, which means all of his fluids would be dried up. How the hell did he finish with this woman? (laughs) I mean, if we're going to talk about biology, like, how do ghosts have sex? I know, right? I'm not, (laughs) sorry, 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 sorry. No, that's not what I was going to say. How do vampires have sex? Right? Exactly. Like, it's just that suspension of disbelief that it was a random point of trivia that I thought was funny. But back to it. I, I didn't like Ray. I thought he was a weak character. He he was killed not soon enough for me because he didn't really contribute much. I didn't like him from the start. I actually agree with you. I liked him in this episode because the actor was given a chance to play a different side. You know, a genuine heartfelt, like, I'm confused. I don't know what's going on. And if you had told me that Ray and Brooke were going to sleep together, I would have maybe like 25% bought it, 75% been like, no. He's going to die. He's going to be gone. We won't see him again. I did not expect him to be the one that she saw and for her to go running after him. You know, first of all, again, you know, killers are running around this camp and you guys are just repeatedly exiting these cabins, running around after someone that you think was somebody that's dead. You know, but again, it, it, it had to happen for a reason, leading us to the bumping of Ghost Ugly. Um, I, I, Brooke, this was a different view of her and this lets me retroactively buy her character a little bit better knowing that i was kind of right that there was more to her i had thought it was going to be a psychotic side maybe or a mean bitchy side but no we actually see something that was very common with girls in that decade and decades before you know if i'm too smart no one's going to want me they're going to be jealous they're going to be hateful but if i dumb myself down a bit make myself pretty put effort into my appearance then i'm going to have more friends i'm going to be more liked i'm going to be popular and it really kind of gave that character some depth which is something that brooke has greatly lacked this season i think all of us kind of agreed on the fact that she was kind of like one note like i even i think compared her to sarah paulson in cult for me um yeah she was the mary sue for the first four episodes but this episode Mm -hmm. really did a great job of fleshing her out yeah, it really did. I mean, I, I bought the whole I want to live before I die, how it led up to the sex happening and her getting head. That was absolutely unexpected. I, I don't remember the head being put in the fridge. Obviously, we didn't see that happen. So yeah. I love that you said her getting head. Yeah. <laughs> 
because she literally she got did, a lot of that before that too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, let me phrase it this way: It's not very often that women give head and then get it back. There you go. And she definitely got it back. And I love the fact that she you could see her going through like, oh, my God, I just screwed a ghost. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, it, it, I thought that was humorous, but also very well done. I thought both of them did a really great job communicating it. And I bought it. I bought these characters, him not realizing he's dead when he was opening up about what he wanted to be. I, I thought it was a nice touch, even though it was a little bit. I mean, I don't know if they would have had that long to do it with all the killing going on, but they did it. They made the time and I think it was well spent. Absolutely. It's funny because I talked about the idea of someone dying but not realizing that they were dead. And, and that was, in my mind at the time, it was going right. to be Rita. But they ended up doing it with Ray. So I was right with the R. You know, it was just the wrong person. Uh, mm -hmm. But I, I loved what they did with it. I, I thought um, it was written well. It was acted well. And... Um, yeah, I, I thought it was a great moment for both of them individually before that, just fleshing out both of the characters. And, and then afterwards, I, I thought it was a really great twist. I'm glad that it came out. And uh, because this is American Horror Story, it, it came out in a, in a very um, spectacular kind of way. So moving right along. So mm -hmm. uh, Brooke doesn't even get the chance to say that she uh, popped her cherry with a ghost before Montana just wails on her. And so they get into a fight. It, it's, it is a prolonged fight. It starts off in the cabin, and then it ends up outside. It ends up everywhere, basically. And um, throughout the fight, uh, Montana confesses, like, Sam was my brother. Like, uh, you know, you got him killed. It's all your fault. Brooke doesn't really get the chance to defend herself at all, which um, that kind of disappointed me. Mm -hmm. But uh, it was a brawl all over the place throughout the entire camp from Twilight to uh, Red Dawn. And uh, at the very tail end, I mean, it looked like Brooke was going to get killed, but she got the upper hand. And right in front of 99 bottles of beer on the wall singing children in the damn summer camp van, or not van, bus, uh, we see Brooke stab the life out of Montana. Now, before we get into the repercussions of everything, let's talk about the fight. And uh, were you surprised that Brooke killed Montana? No. I wasn't. Okay. I knew before the night was over that my, Brooke was going to have to kill someone. I thought the fight was awesome. Yeah, I, I think I talked about last week how I wanted to see this happen. I wanted to see Montana break down and give in. And I loved the little almost like, uh, I don't know about the word, like mimicry parody earlier where every time Montana looked like she was about to strike, Brooke was like, oh, yeah, keep that knife in your hand. I'll be right back. You know, she was so oblivious and I love it. And I actually bought it because Brooke is, you know, knowing what I know about her and learning what we learned. It's just like, I feel like she's still a character that wants to believe that people are basically good. And so she gave her trust and Montana did a great job, such a good job that Brooke never saw it coming. And Montana, on the other hand, she played the 
I'm going to kill you. I'm going to do it now. No, wait. Nope, not now. 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 No, wait. Nope. Now. Oh, I'm down. Damn it. You're gone. And so when we got to the point where she had Brooke back in her hands and she just went full on hair metal, I don't give a shit anymore. I'm going to beat the crap out of you. It, I, I loved it. I, I thought it was the perfect climax for this character who had us guessing, you know, and we guessed kind of right. And then just to see her, I didn't think we were going to get it this soon, but we did. And Billy Lord, uh, hands down, I am bowing. Excellent job this season. And I love the fact that we got to see Montana kind of start to enjoy the fact that she was doing the violence herself instead of being a bystander wanting it. You know, she you could see her going through earlier if she was really going to do it. She even comments on it. But when it came down to it, she didn't chicken out. She tried to go through with it. Brooke, on the other hand, just fucked a ghost found his decapitated head in the fridge, realized she has ghost semen inside of her, not knowing what that's going to do to her. She's been tortured all night, chased by killers. She had to lose it at some point. And I will give Emma Roberts credit. This was really awesome. Like the look on her face when she shoved that dagger into Montana's sternum, she was focused. She was channeling all of that pent-up rage. And that girl that she talked about that she used to be, I kind of saw her come out. We saw the, the girl who knew that in order to survive this, she had to do the unthinkable. And she did it. Unfortunately, she literally turned Camp Redwood into Redwood. As the children pulled up, and I'm not going to lie, I kind of laughed when those kids were like, oh, my God. And then they start screaming. <laughs> I know, right? That was amazing. What's interesting about this season is that um, it is a – well, I don't want to say spoof because spoof, spoof is usually taken. It's in, heightened I mean, almost. It's it's a like a pastiche of uh, slasher mm-hmm. films from the 80s. There really wasn't that much sex this season. No, there really wasn't. And, and I've also noticed the lack of sex throughout the seasons on American mm-hmm. Horror Story. Like, they started off really sexual, and, and I don't yeah. know if it's Ryan Murphy that decided to, to sort of tone it down or whatnot, but uh, I, I've noticed sort of, like, the the lack of sexy times on American Horror Story. But it's interesting how it was the first episode. We got a little bit of it with them in the water. And then this episode, which we didn't even really see much of what Which they for did. the 80s, you would have expected it would have been tits and boobs and penises everywhere, you know, every time you turn around. So I give them credit for not doing it. Now, I'm curious, do you find yourself like expecting them to break the fourth wall at any point? Because I kept waiting for like the heightened sense of awareness about what it was to be broken in some way and like someone to do a fourth wall aside. No, maybe if this had been like taken place if, if this like the time period would have been present day maybe True. but because it's the 80s and they aren't really self-aware in the 80s like i <laughs> i just i didn't expect it but um i was i was actually surprised that brooke killed montana like i felt like montana was gonna have to die if they were not going to do like a full on conversation of like, I never had sex with him. Like I just popped my cherry and it was a fucking Ray and he's a ghost. And, um, and I still don't know if I liked it because she looked very confused <laughs> after it. Cause she was, I felt so bad for Ray. Cause he was like, so like, what'd you think? Like, wait, I popped your cherry. Like, how was it for you? And she's like, yeah, well, I guess it was okay. Like I never really had it before. So and I have to agree with you. That's one thing I meant to mention is I was also disappointed because I really almost kind of wanted there to be some moment where Montana, Montana goes through something similar to what Naridana went through, which is, oh shit, 
this was all kind of pointless and I'm just a murderous bitch, you know, and we didn't get that, but maybe we will in the episodes to come. Correct. We, we still have a few more episodes left, so that could still happen. I just was a little disappointed that it didn't happen in this episode, but clearly they already had a vision as to where the episode was going to end. And I guess they couldn't have done that if they wanted to end the episode where it did. And uh, let's talk about that. So we got a lot at the end. And I'm just going to do it bullet point style so that we can just talk about everything in in whichever order that you want to talk about it, Vinny. So uh, we saw the scene in which you mentioned before where Ray is wandering around. He gets mistaken for a survivor of the massacre. The, um, The EMT is not able to find a pulse. And so she puts him in um, an ambulance. The ambulance drives away. And as we all know from previous seasons where there is a sort of um, a um, a hot spot for supernatural activity, the uh, ghost cannot leave the property. So when the ambulance passes the Camp Redwood sign, we see Ray on the ground and he realizes that he can't leave even though he just wants to go home. And so Margaret sees the commotion, sees that uh, Brooke is being taken away by the police. And so what does she do? I guess what any normal person would. She stabs herself in the leg and pretends that she is a survivor as well and tells uh, the closest person uh, to her that uh, Brooke went on a murderous rampage and um you know she has no idea why she why she did that and then we saw earlier jingles uh, with um with all of the arrows inside of him uh open his eyes once you know everyone sort of left uh, his vicinity and uh, Richard Ramirez approaches him and is basically like will you accept satan into your life <laughs> Clearly, he said yes, because Richard Ramirez and Mr. Jingles end up taking a police car and they start driving to Los Angeles. So history, you know, will end up becoming a reality. And the very final bit that we saw is that Montana and Xavier are both ghosts. Montana ends up killing a police officer and they seem pretty content with uh, being murderous ghosts while Ray is sort of shocked, like, why would you do that? And that sort of thing. And uh, Montana's like, fuck it, we're in purgatory. So let's talk about everything at the end. What did you think of it? Were you surprised by any of it? Um, Does it go in line with... um, Maybe maybe any theories that you had, or have your theories changed as to what we're going to see for the next couple of episodes? I will say, it was officially announced today. There were rumors of this, but it was sort of on, like, AHS blogs, but nothing was officially confirmed. There are only nine episodes this season. So this is the shortest season of American Horror oh. Story ever. So that means that there are only four more episodes. So we are officially at the midway point of the season. Uh, you know what, to be quite honest, maybe it's it's for the best because, I mean, there's only so much you can stretch 
with a slasher type of genre, so maybe it is for the best. But I was shocked and a bit disappointed as well. So uh, now yeah. that I, now that I put that out there, uh, <laughs> well, that talk makes to me, me sad. It. There's only nine episodes in the season. That's but I agree. I mean, you can only do a slasher for so far. But you know, to your question about have my theories changed? Yes. I am now beginning to be convinced that we are going to have a breadcrumb trail possibly leading to a highway to the freeway that connects all of the seasons thus far. We had some Easter eggs dropped here in the form of Los Angeles, which, as we know, is where Hotel was taking place. And I believe wasn't the murder house in California as well. Yep. Yep. Uh, So California is obviously a hotbed of AHS activity. So. I made a joking reference to Murder House earlier. This last bit with Ray and the ambulance, and this felt a little bit old hat. This this was, we've done this before. This is not, I mean, I literally could predict they didn't even need the scene with him in the ambulance because I knew he was dead. I knew, I think that scene was more for his character to really ram it home that he's dead. But it was just, I wanted something different. I, I kind of was hoping that whatever the ghost thing was, it wasn't going to be the same type of thing. Oh, I died here, so I'm trapped here. And then we had some inconsistencies with that because other people who were supposed to be dead have not yet shown up as ghosts. So I almost thought that we were going to see like the whole like roll call of the people that were killed watching the ambulance drive away. And he was going to, first him, and then it was going to pan back to all of them. But we only got, you know, in the end, him, Montana, and uh, Xavier. I didn't like the the way that Xavier is obviously going to go without giving spoilers. We see the promo for next week. Uh, yeah, that's, dip- that's, I, that's disappointing me too. Yeah, it's, I really liked him. And I, I, I thought it was kind of nice to see Cody Fern go from playing what he did last season to playing what I thought was just going to be a regular character. No supernatural. If he got killed, he got killed. But I thought he was going to maybe be a final guy. You know, even into this episode, up until he died, I still was kind of thinking that. Uh, it, I really kind of hope that it doesn't, but I'm beginning to, it's kind of like I'm getting that tingling sensation in my spidey sense that we're going to have some kind of connection to one of the other seasons, if not more. Because as they drove, I'll segue in the jingles and Ramirez, as they drove away, we found out where they're going because it deliberately pans to Los Angeles. And as we know, Ramirez shows up in hotel on the devil's night. And this is all relating back to the devil again. So we've got that correlation threading throughout all the seasons to some degree. So yeah, I, I, my theory has changed in the sense of they, they may and probably will still stay in the eighties, but I think it's not going to be a microcosm season. I think it's going to start having those veins come through that connect them to other characters, other timelines, other events. Maybe this is a backdrop for something in one of the other seasons that we'll find out later. Um, Jingles, I, I was kind of disappointed he accepted Satan as the Lord Master because he had his little bit of redemptive arc, and then now, obviously, he said, fuck it, I'm just going to go join Ramirez, and we're going to go to L.A., and I'm going to do whatever and jingle my keys however I people thought I did, but I didn't. Now I'm actually going to do it. So that was an odd combo. It was like the odd couple. I didn't see that coming. Um, and, yeah, I the end of the episode kind of left me. This is where I'm just kind of, eh. I wasn't blown away. I wasn't floored with the revelations. I kind of was hoping it would be something different, but I'm open to that changing and my opinion changing, but I need more episodes before I can make that call. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't like that Brooke is being blamed for everything. Like that was the thing that I think I completely was not expecting. 
And I don't know if I'm excited to see where that story goes. Because this no. was the episode where I really liked Brooke. And if they send her into the insane asylum and she gets um, electroshocked and all that kind of stuff, I feel like we're not going to get that Brooke back. And um, that doesn't really make me happy. So, um, although it will give Emma Roberts chance to play a psychopath, which I think we've all been waiting for. Yeah. But I like after getting to know the character in this episode, it it kind of. Um, it was I like feel, getting kicked in the nuts. Yeah, I feel like it's gonna hurt. Like I didn't like when Lana Banana got electroshocked. Like I didn't like when Sister Jude got electroshocked. Like I it really, it hurt me to the core. So I feel like that's what's gonna happen with Brooke, especially because we know she's an innocent and she just killed Montana out of self defense. So yep. um, I, yeah, I'm really worried about where that's gonna go. Uh, the Ray stuff, it didn't bother me just because I'm sure there are some people out there that skip seasons or don't watch every season or maybe are watching this for the very first time. And they need to get sort of a little bit of an explanation as to how the ghost thing works on American Horror Story. It was a tiny scene. I, I, like, I thought it, it did what it needed to do. I do agree with you that I hope that we see more of the other people that died that aren't necessarily our main characters. I think that will add to the concept of you know they're all trapped on that plot of land so i hope that does happen at a certain point uh, before the season ends jingles accepting satan was a surprise for me too but i think he is still motivated on getting his revenge of margaret so True. i feel like he only did that so that he could stay alive so that he could kill her. It, like, that's what I think. Like, will he probably have to kill other people and that sort of thing? I wouldn't be surprised. But I think his ultimate goal is that he wants to kill Margaret. And, um, yeah. So I hope that he gets the chance to do that. I Like, I need to see that in my life. And um, what else? Who else? The Montana Xavier thing. It's interesting because Ray is going to be i think in the role that i thought xavier was going to be in like i thought xavier would be the oh, one yeah. that's kind of like shocked like what are you doing why are you killing sure we're dead but why are you being a murderous psychopath and it looks like they're going to have ray be the one that's kind of reacting to uh, the ghosts that want to murder the humans and uh, i don't know if i like the idea of uh, xavier sort of um falling in with montana and mm -hmm. taking on their murderous impulses on the living um yeah I, I like xavier too much and i liked the side of him where he wanted to save people he wanted to save birdie he wanted to save margaret like he wanted to save everybody he wanted to rescue everybody and you know so they all live and that kind of thing and so seeing this side of him is a bit disappointing and then i don't like that margaret once again got away with it like i don't like that she you know is pretending to be the victim again and and you know she's she survived this like that pisses me off and it was dumb yeah it was really dumb yeah it, it wasn't a good one so that was incredibly disappointing now as far as what i think is going to come so 
I have read the press releases, as I mentioned in the previous podcast, for the next two episodes. And even with what we saw, like, I still don't fully know what they're going to do in the next two episodes. Like, the next episode is the 100th episode of the series. Which is interesting because I recorded this on Sling TV, and for some reason, it didn't show me the beginning part of the promo. So I watched that today, and I caught that they actually did as a montage, the right word, of Correct. the previous seasons. So yes. that kind of further made me wonder, okay, Murphy, you're going to be doing something, whether it's small or big, I yet do not know. But because it's we've talked about it being the 100th episode, I too don't know what they're going to do. And I'm excited to see what they're going to do. But I do, it kind of further cemented my belief that we're going to see connections. What's fascinating about it is that the episode is actually called Episode 100, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. We did see in the promo or the promo that uh, we will be getting some stuff with our characters. But um, initially, I didn't think that this would be a season that would show a lot of connections to other seasons. But because it is episode 100, I feel like they're going to have to do something special. And unfortunately, we like haven't heard anything about like people returning and that kind of stuff. It doesn't seem as if... uh, they're making a big to-do for it. Mm-hmm. But the promo would suggest otherwise because there was a montage from like the beginning to the most recent of all the seasons and characters yeah. and that kind of stuff. But I would think that we would have heard something, kind of like there were leaks of, oh, God, yeah, of every everything. In, and well, in particular with Apocalypse. Like we knew Jessica Lange was returning, um, you know, before the it was in the press. Like we knew yeah. not only that she was returning, but we knew that she was also going to be in the final episode. Like everyone sort of assumed that she was just going to be in that murder house episode, but then there were paparazzi leaks that she was filming for the very final one. So that's how we found out that she would be in it again. There haven't been any leaks, at least that I've found, as to like people no. returning and that sort of thing, which leads me to believe that we won't have big connections. Maybe, you know, they'll drive by the murder house or they'll drive by the Hotel Cortez or maybe they'll stay in the Hotel Cortez or something. I don't know. I guess we're going to have to wait and see. But I do hope they do something special with it. As far as what it says, it just says that, the you know, the characters, you know, have to deal with the ramifications from the night before. I don't know what that means. Are we just going to see the ghosts murdering people and, you know trying to um, come to terms with the fact that they're ghosts, I guess. I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, because we like didn't I... see, other than Xavier and uh, I think Jonas and Montana, we didn't get to see a lot of the characters. So I, I'm really curious. I would love to actually see, like, Margaret have to go through the interview process, and I would love to have, like, a really smart detective maybe start to poke holes and watch her kind of start to fall apart a little bit realizing maybe she's not going to get away with it but it does look like we might have a time jump i think so we I are know. so the next episode is them dealing with the night before the episode after that the press release says something about a lost chapter in the camp's history maybe we'll see like how ghosts started in the camp i i, I don't know what that means when i initially read it i thought it was that we were going to see what actually happened the night that uh, quote-unquote mr jingles killed everybody but we already know what happened that night so is this a different night maybe in the 60s and the 50s 
I don't know. Uh, I guess we're going to have to wait and see for that one. And then what's now the penultimate episode says that our heroes basically are going to rally together to stop this new breed of terror at Camp Redwood. So that would mean that at least in episode eight, we will be getting a time jump for the final two episodes of the season, which I would assume TakeOver will um, will uh, span the course of a night where we see... I don't know what that means because there aren't that many people that are alive. So Brooke is going to escape so that she... Uh, saves people or is she gonna escape and and try to kill people or like i don't know i don't know what it means i don't know what we're gonna be getting i would assume that it means that margaret is gonna try to open up the camp again maybe in you know in the 90s or something well i think you might have something because have you seen the synopsis for episode eight yet yeah that's the one where it's a new breed of terror right the lady in white yeah but it actually says a deadly trio emerges, hell-bent on unleashing a new era at Camp Redwood. Our former counselors desperately try to keep history from repeating itself. Correct. So it. So that's interesting. Yeah, it looks like it's a, it's like a new generation. I would assume it's Margaret opening up again, maybe? Maybe, or there. I, like I've read some theories about time travel connections or time loops, but I, I don't know that I think it's a time loop. I think it is a loop in the sense of the ghosts are trapped there when they die, and it, maybe it's a curse on the land or something that just it it attracts kind of like a, a beacon in the night to people who are bad. I don't know. It's it's interesting, and that one's going to be called Rest in Pieces. So we'll see. Oh, that one's Rest in Pieces. Yes, there's one called Lady in White. I think. Oh, I think that's the lost chapter, maybe. That's the lost chapter. There you go. Yeah. So that'll be fascinating. I don't know what it means, though, because clearly our counselors are dead. So it's like, who is returning to help? I mean, they're already there. Uh, Will some of them sort of realize the error in their murderous ways and they want to save the humans? Does Margaret reopen the camp? Is Brooke somehow involved? Is she trying to stop what's what's happening? You know, maybe they don't really electroshock her or something, and she's, you know, she's yeah. able to break free, and she's still herself, and she realizes she has to stop Margaret from, you know, doing whatever she needs to do. I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. But uh, before we get into the MVP, the most valuable player, is there anything from the episode that we haven't discussed that you want to bring up? I just want Birdie to come back as a ghost. Oh, that would be fun. I will right? co-sign that. <laughs> I would yes. even go with a murderous Birdie. I wouldn't care. I just want her back. I like it. Well, now it's time for the MVP, the most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So choose wisely. Vinny, MVP. I never thought I would actually choose this, but I'm going with Brooke. <laughs> you know, I, I just, I, I, there was so much depth and development and she kind of came to the daylight and she did what she had to do. I, I agree. I'm very, I don't co-sign her going to jail for this. I, I really hope that she doesn't get electroshock in what's to come. But just the development of the character, watching her change, watching her finally grow some balls like that was my biggest problem with her is it was pulsing all over again screaming and crying and running she was playing the girl she was playing the role that she thought she had to play but she finally gave up and we we had the real brooke show her face so 100 percent hands down she is my mvp 
fantastic choice. To be quite honest, there were a lot of really great choices for MVP. And, it was uh, really hard. Yeah, there are many names that are in my head right now, but several of them have already gotten shout-outs in previous episodes. So I'm very confident in the character that I'm choosing, and I'm going to choose the other character that they gave a whole lot more nuance to in this episode, and I'm going to give it to Ray. I just really like what they did with Ray this episode, 100%. I thought Deron Horton did a really good job conveying everything that they wanted with Ray in this episode. I loved uh, his moments with Brooke. I loved his moments alone, like really trying to figure out what was going on with himself and, uh, and, and, and just the predicament that he's currently in. And I kind of like him as almost the moral compass that I feel like the ghosts are going to have going forward. So uh, I was really impressed with what they did with Ray, especially because I didn't like him his final episode. Like I was trying to root for him the first couple episodes. Right. You were trying really hard. We all were. And then I didn't like him. And this is what you call great writing and as well as great acting. Uh, They were able to take a character that was completely unlikable in his very final episode. And uh, they redeemed him, at least in my eyes. So uh, I'll give it to Ray. And now it is time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 keys? The point system is allowed. If you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may grant it the golden key. And yes, you may jingle it. Vinny? To be honest, like I said at the beginning, I was still trying to form my my thought. I was originally going to give this episode a 7. I think it's the lowest I would have given this season thus far. Because I, I put a lot of feeling into how I felt at the end of the episode, and that really left me in a weird place as far as my opinion. I'm going to actually give it a 9. And the reason that I'm going to do that is having talked through it, having you know like heard your, your viewpoints, but also just rehashing what I already thought – You know, even though the end, I didn't necessarily care for it, at the same time, it got a reaction out of me. Whether that was happy or I didn't like it, it made me feel something. It really made me question. This episode did a lot to, as we kind of joked about earlier, we had our theories. You know, if it was a nail in the wall, we were a little bit to the left, up to the right, you know. But I like having my theories debunked. I like having them, even if they're slightly right. They, I don't think I've had one this season that's been 100%. I don't think any of us have, have we? Um, I don't. I think we've been close, but we haven't hit well, something I think like right on. The only thing that we really, we all said at the beginning that Brooke would be the final girl. So technically, oh, yeah. we are right okay. about that in a sense. In a sense. But even that, you know, she was the final girl that's now been caught, you know, massacring what could be an innocent woman as far as the children are concerned. And and that's the kind of thing. It Really, this season has – I've been reading reviews, and there are some people who are panning this series really hard this season. They're saying that it's bad. It's going away from form. It's not that good. I love this season. It's been They said that about Roanoke as well. Let's be yeah, real. and then it's a cult favorite now. <laughs> you know, I, I think that pastiche is a great word. You know, this this is one of my genres of film that I grew up in, so I hold it very close to my heart. It is one of my favorites to the point that I will even watch absolutely terrible slasher movies just to get a different opinion of what has been out there. You know, any any horror fan is always going to be voracious to see any movie in the genre that they like. And this season has not only been thoroughly enjoyable, but at the same time as being, you know, heightened and borderline spoofy at moments, it hasn't ventured into slapstick territory. It hasn't crossed over to where I'm like, okay, this is a little bit ridiculous. Not once. You know, it, it's the characters are... 
people that at the beginning of this season I didn't care for at all in this episode I found myself liking. So the writing is right on par with what I would expect from a good season of American Horror Story. I'm finding myself really caring about characters that I didn't before. Characters I didn't buy, I'm buying now that they've given given more depth. So in the end, I'm bumping it up from my initial to a nine because it, it really made me think. And it also, at the same time, the, the math feeling I had at the end really makes me voracious for what's going to happen in the next episode and the rest of the season. I like it. And I'm going to co-sign with you. I'm going to give it a nine as well. I, I thought overall the episode was pretty good. It is very rewatchable. Like it, it was a decent episode. The ending, it did leave me with a little... It left me in my feels uh, because of a lot of stuff. But everything leading up to it was really good. Like, everyone had their moment to shine. Everyone yeah. was... They were all firing on all cylinders. I thought the acting was really good. The writing was really good. We got a lot of nuance for a lot of the characters. Uh, Rita, Brooke, uh, Ray. Uh, we got some really interesting deaths. I feel like... Um, uh, like uh, uh what's her real name um margaret um uh, mary Cherry. leslie grossman leslie grossman yes leslie grossman knocked it out the park uh you know whether i like what she did at the end or not uh, she was just fantastic and she has been fantastic like i think everyone has been consistent and um th- yeah i i really like the season i would put this unless they completely shit <laughs> on everything these final four episodes i would put this in in like the better half of american horror story like oh hands down yeah i mean like, and the I thing like... is dude this mm-hmm. wait go ahead oh i was gonna say i, I kind of the, the more that i thought of walking out of this episode feels like part one of a two-parter like with the way that it ended i i it that's what made me you know really think about it is this is the middle of the season practically but the way that the episode ended with them driving off brooke getting caught it, it didn't feel just like a standalone episode in the season, it really did its job well of planting the seeds for whatever the hell is going to come next. Oh, totally. I 100% agree with everything you just said. And uh, I don't feel like there's ever really a bad season of American Horror Story. It's more so like our personal preferences. Like, I see, for me, like if I were to categorize them, like I have like the really good seasons and then the ones that are just sort of okay, that are still entertaining. Would I rewatch them? Maybe. Would I be in a rush to rewatch them? Maybe not so much. Whereas like the the better seasons, you know, our, our personal favorites, I would totally rewatch them and recommend them and that kind of thing. And this one certainly falls on the better side. Um, I am thoroughly enjoying the season. I feel like all the characters now are really fleshed out. For the most part, I think probably Chet is the only one that hasn't been fleshed (laughs) out much. But maybe that's to come. Maybe. You never know. So uh, who knows? He could be the cold open in uh, the next episode. But but yeah, so I I just, I really like the episode. Although the ending did leave me kind of feeling a certain kind of way. But I am looking forward to seeing where this is going next like what is this next chapter uh what are we going to see with these characters and um will we get some additional twists and turns Uh, i mean this has been a very twisty 
season. Like, every episode post the first one uh, has seen several twists and turns per episode. The first episode didn't really have any, uh, unless you want to call um, Jingles Escaping to be the first twist. But um, it, it really was sort of like the setup episode, introducing us to the to these characters, introducing the various variables that that were sort of surrounding them and that kind of stuff. And then really, you know, the we went off like running with the second episode up until now. So uh, another enjoyable episode of American Horror Story. And on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of Are You Afraid 1984. Once again, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Are You Afraid? 1984 and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-host, please wish the listeners a good night. Have a wonderful night, guys, and if you can't sleep, just think of a jingling key. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of Are You Afraid 1984 every Friday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chulo Radio Archives. Good night.